Okay, what I'm going to talk about, uh, what I want to talk about tonight is the Nachash, the Choshet, but there are different aspects to it. This snake that Moshe Rabbeinu made, and he put it on a copper frame, and people looked at it, and they, um, and they were cured. They were cured specifically, I think, of snake bites. We'll look at the, at the Pesukim in, in a moment. Is the place that Aaron died. This is the this story is taking place at the end of the thirty-eight years of Bnei Israel draining around in the desert and preparing themselves to go to Eretz Canaan. Right, this is their second attempt to go to Eretz Canaan. And so they went actually backwards around the country of the Edomites. And then, you know, as always happens, the people became discouraged. If we're going to Eretz Israel, why do we go there? Why are we going in a different direction? Why are we going backwards? So this is what Rashi adds. Rashi says, you see the first Rashi on the page. Aaron died. This was the milchama with against Melacharat in Canaan. Right? They came out to fight against Bnei Yisrael. Melacharat. Rashi said they went backwards through Yamsuf, where they actually came from, right? So, And this happened also at the beginning of the 38 years, which was the, after the Meraglim. Remember, the Meraglim went to spy out the land, and they came back, and they sort of said, don't go to Eretz Israel. And so their punishment was, that they would start going backwards. They, they started their trip around the desert for 38 years by going backwards from where they were. And now they're also going backwards because they, they lost this battle against Melacharad. Um, so they went back. I mean, it, it's a, we don't have to go into this, but you know that there were 14 Masaot in the desert during the 38 years. In the beginning of Mas'ei, the last parasha in Bamidbar, these Masaot are listed. So they went backwards instead of going forwards. And then, that's what it says in the Pasuk, that, that just being on the road frustrated everybody and they were unhappy. They spoke against God and they spoke against Moshe. We don't have water. We don't have bread. And we're sick and tired of eating this lechem klokel. What's the lechem klokel? If you see in Rashi Pasuk, hey, uh, the lechem klokel, lechem klokel, I don't know exactly what klokel means, but Rashi says, Rashi says, lefi shaman nivlab evrehem kerau klokel. In, in other words, since the, you know, the Gemara says that the man was entirely absorbed into the body, that there was no waste, there was no waste, they never defecated uh, what they ate. And so they called it cow, it was like lechem cow, mikul cow, that kind of a word. And, and therefore, amu atid sheyitfach, so they didn't know. So what happened to the man? Where did it go? So they all thought that it was stuck somehow in their innards. And that eventually it would, it would explode. It would, just, it, would, it would kill them somehow. And uh, 
So they made a scientific statement. They said, is it possible? Is there any other creature in the world who eats but does not have waste? So obviously, we must have the waste. It's just that it's not passing. So we have the waste, it's not passing, it's going to kill us. That's what they, that's what they thought. It's not such a bad analysis. But uh, uh, I guess that, you know, that's what really could happen. But more interesting, in the beginning of the Pasuk, where they go and they speak to uh, so you look at the Rashi Rashi says God and Moshe so that's also a because in other words they could even though Moshe Rabbeinu even though Moshe Rabbeinu was an extraordinary personality but still, Moshe Rabbeinu is not God. How can you compare Moshe Rabbeinu to God? But that's what they, that's what they did. Lama Heli Tunu, Rashi goes on, and he says, Shneim Shavim, which means that they, they address God and Moshe Rabbeinu in the same breath. Right? They don't have different notes. They're talking to both of them. So that... That, uh, like, really what happened, according to Rashi, here, you know, they complained. Okay, they complained. But, but why were they punished so severely? What was it? You know, so it's not nice to complain. And it's not reasonable to complain to God. But what was it that God got so angry that the next person, by Yishlach Hashem, by Hamadan, Hashim Hasrafim, Nechashim hasrafim. From the continuation, look, nechash means a snake. Saraf, we don't know what a saraf means. In Hebrew, a saraf can mean an angel, certain kinds of angels, but here, nechashim srafim, it sounds like they're synonyms. Well, they, they both refer to the same thing. Nechash is a snake, so maybe a saraf is a snake. Vayinashku etaam. So they were punished. B'nai Israel was punished. Why were B'nai Israel punished according to Rashi? Because they, they, they were apicorsin. They said something terrible about God, or that, that Moshe and God are the same thing. They're part of a, a committee of some sort. So God sent the snakes. Now in the past, there had been a, a, a plague. God sent plagues. But why do you send snakes to, to bite B'nai Israel? And, and because the bite was poisonous, that they would die in that way. I mean, after all, every possible death is open to God. Why snakes? Why biting? Why, why all of this? Why all of this uh, stuff? So Rashi says in Pasuk Baba, that Echashim Asrafim, Right, remember the word saraf is a difficult word. I mean, it's not clear. So Rashi says, so Adam so that the word saraf is like the Hebrew word lisrof, which means to burn, to burn up something. Lisrof. Adam Eres is poison, and shinehem are their are their teeth or their fangs. Right, somehow the, the poison in the snake is connected to the bite of the snake. You know, the bite is just a bite. But somehow the, wherever the poison comes from, comes out either through the tooth, like a pipe in the tooth, or smut. The tooth is hollow. So it's like having a pipe in the tooth, right? That's what I mean. The poison comes from someplace through the tooth, so when you bite, when the snake bites something, so it leaves the poison in the hole that it bit. So stay away from those kinds of snakes. So we now know according to Rashi what the word sorfim means. And the Israel, but we still don't know. We don't know why snakes. Why couldn't they just be a plague? Which is a way of saying, I don't know why they died. They just died. That was the punishment. The punishment of heaven. Why did God have to resort to sending to sending snakes? This is like Yitziat Mitzrayim. The people, the Egyptians, in, in that story, here the, the Jews. 
כי דיברנו בהשם ובך, we talked about God, we talked about you, התפלל על השם ויסמי עלינו את הנחש, pray for us, and God will take away the snake, ויתפלל משה בעד העם. אוקיי, רש"י איזוס אינטרסטי, אבל let's go on to פסוק ח', ויאמר השם על משה, עשה לך שרף. So now we have a problem. What do you mean I say mechasaraf? If Rashi said that mechashim srafim means mechashim adjective srafim, I love this quality of srafim, they burn things up, right? Mechashim srafim. So what does I say mechasaraf mean? So it must mean I say mechanachash. But if it means I say mechanachash, so why did God why did say saraf? Why does the Torah say saraf just to confuse us and make it more difficult? ושים אותו על נס, והיה כל הנשוך, וראה אותו וחי. What is all this? That you know, that, that this is the cure, this is the medicine. Somebody comes and says, I was bitten by the snake, I feel I'm going to die. They tell him, go look at the snake on the, on the flag, on the post. ויעש משה פסוק ט', ויעש משה מחש נחושת, וישימהו על נס, he put it on, he made a flag out of it. A different kind of, of medicine. Rashi says, Rashi says about the Pasuk, one second. Yeah, Pasuk Chet, I'm sorry. Vayom HaShem HaMoshe, say lecha saraf, remember we had the problem of saraf. Vesim oto al neis, put it up on a flag. Vayak kol anashuch, everybody who is bitten, v'ra'au tov achai. So Rashi says, Rashi says, kol anashuch, you see, kol anashuch is six lines from the bottom. Afinu kelev, ol chamor, ilu the snakes, by accident, started biting other animals. Noshu. Haya nizot umit noneh v'holech. The animals would be shaky. Ela sheneshichat hanachash meherd la'amit. Lachain, but the, 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 the poison of the snake kills quickly. L'kach ne'emar kan. וראה אותו ראייה באלמה. But all you have to do is, um, is just look at it. ראה אותו. But if the, you were bitten and just happened to see the snake on this copper flag, then you're cured uh, immediately. ובנשיכת הנחש נאמר והיבית. והיה נחש ונחש את איש והיבית. That's what it says in the Pasuk, it uses that other verb. The hibit, at the end of Pasuk Tet, hibit el nechash al-choshet. First it says, in Pasuk Chet, v'ra'ah oto, v'chai. Right, that verb in Hebrew, ra'ah, l'ra'ot, to see. And then in Pasuk Tet it says v'hibit, which means the same thing, ra'ah v'hibit, but it doesn't explain the use of the different verbs in the Pasuk. Rashi says, שלא היה ממהר נשוכן לחש להתרפות, that the, the one who was bitten did not get well easily, אלן קיין, מביט בו בכוונה. מביט בו בכוונה. So it was Rashi, Rashi says an interesting thing. והיה כל הנשוך ראו אותו וחי. Everybody who's bitten, who's everybody who's bitten, including the donkeys and the, and the parrots, right? What's vira'ah, according to Rashi? What's vira'ah? Vira'ah means a cursory look. You're just, like, you're passing by, and there it is, there's the nechash. You look at the nechash, you're going to be cured. But then in Pasuk Tet it says, in nashach ha-nechash ish, there's like a, a limit in Pasuk Tet, not anybody or anything, 
but a person specifically the beat. What does beat mean according to Rashi? The beat means with kavod. Like you have to want to want God to cure you. That's called Vibit. So the Ra'a means you're not a philosopher. You're not a theologian. You could be a donkey. Donkeys have never been accused of being great philosophers or theologians. Right? Donkeys, a chamor is a chamor. But if the chamor is bitten by the snake, and he happened to look at the Nechashar, that he would be cured. But if a man slash woman was bitten by the, by the snake, then the he beat then they have to look with Kavanah. What's the Kavanah? And this brings us to the great mystery of the, of the Nechash and Nechoshet. Rashi says, You see that line in Rashi? It's three lines in the bottom of the Rashi. This is our subject. Everybody knows that there's a mission in Rosh Hashanah. And the Mishnah Rosh Hashanah compares two events. One is the battle against Amalek, when B'nai Israel left Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu sat on top of the, a rock and he held his arms in the air. And as long as he held his arms in the air at B'nai Israel, he stuck glue, klape mala, they won. But when they stopped looking up at heaven, they lost. Similarly, when they look at the Nechash and Nechosh I mean, they're thinking about God and God curing them, then they are truly cured. But when they don't look at the Mechash and the Choshet, they don't have to be cured. So, of course, the question, the question is, what do I need Moshe Rabbeinu sitting on a rock for? What do I need in the Mechash and the Choshet? If we would agree, that, as the Mishnah says, that the cure comes from God, and when does the cure come from God? When B'nai Yisrael are kind of noting that it's God, they take note of the fact that it's God, somehow they look up to heaven. So, okay, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu just tell them? You want to win the war? Daven. When you have a chance, you know, you're not killing each other, say a, a, a capital killing. So what is this business of Moshe Rabbeinu sitting on a rock with his hands held in, 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 the, in the air? The Pasuk says. They caused faith. The Nechash and Nechoshes caused the people to have faith. And that's what cured them. It was not that they looked at it. It was rather that they looked at heaven. So if the idea is that they... So in other words, first thing you have to say that the Mishnah, the Mishnah, which is, you know, Chazal, looked at the Pesukim and couldn't believe it. The Chazal. They say, here we are spending all our time telling everybody they should daven. And here the Pesukim say, I mean, no, you have to look at the snake. Or you look at Moshe Rabbeinu's outstretched arms. I mean, what does that mean? What does it mean, literally? So let's look at the Ramban. At the, Ramban. the Ramban says, you see the second source? This Pesuk, by the way, if you turn the page... If you turn the page, Shmot Perak Yud Zion, the third source. Vayacha Shayyari Moshe Yado Vigavar Yisrael, Vikashi Yaniach Yado Vigavar Amalek. As though Moshe Rabbeinu had some kind of weird power to to be victorious, or to uh, or not to be victorious. And so, what did he need the battle for? I mean, if it was all God doing it, so it seems. So what, what are people running around and fighting against each other for? Why is there a war going on? V'yedei Moshe Kfeidim. V'yedei Moshe Kfeidim. Moshe's hands were tired. It became heavy. It was hard for him to hold his hands up. So that's what the Pesach says. That it's all about his hands. By Asimu Tachtav. By whoever. 
they took this rock, they put it under him, he sat on it, and his brother held up his arms. Now, and his hands caused faith until the sun, until the sunset. I mean, I think the words are simple and straightforward enough, but theologically they're a mystery. I mean, what are the hands of Moshe Abedu got to do with the faith of the people who are fighting? And you mean that Moshe Abedu puts his hands down, so that's a sign that they shouldn't believe in God anymore? He puts his hands up that they should believe in God? I mean, the whole thing doesn't make sense. And so the Mishnah says, V'chi yadav Moshe osot So that's the question. Can we attribute the battle to Yadav Shel Moshe? That's the question. Now, of course, the question is rhetoric, and it means we cannot attribute the battle to the hands of Moshe. The battle is the battle of the men of faith against Amalek. Elah, the Mishnah says, as long as they are in a faith mode, then they win. And when they are not in a faith mode, then they are going to are going to lose. But that's not what it says in the Chumash. The Chumash gives us a, a different idea of what is actually of what is actually happening. So let's look a little bit at the at the Ramban. The Ramban says, You see, that's understand. How come Moshe Rabbeinu made the Nechash out of copper? Because God never said to make it out of copper. God said, uh, make a saraf, which means whatever it means, but it doesn't mean copper. Where did Moshe Rabbeinu get this idea? is learning, God said to me, Nachash, how do you make a Nachash? Well, Nachash and Nachoshet look like the same word. So Moshe Rabbeinu decided to make it like, like there was a hidden Tzivui in the Tzivui. Even though God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make a Nachash, a Saraf, a Nachash, Moshe Rabbeinu took that to mean out of copper. Because it sort of hinted. It's hinting in the word, in the word Nachash. That's what the Ramban says in the Zelda Shon Rashi, quotes Rashi, Bidiv Rabbitain. The law had been out, he said, Shariah Kaddish Bogoloski, Lord Nachash, and asked for the God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. God never said the word Nachash. And God never said the word Nachash, but he said a different word. Saraf, how can you make a drosha that says, May, that, it may, that God meant copper. Where did copper come from? Avodatan lomar ki alach Moshe achar shem ha'etzem asher lo. That even though God said saraf, Moshe Rabbeinu immediately translated it into his own language. And what was his language? Nachash. Saraf became Nachash, and then Moshe Rabbeinu said, well, what about Nachash? Maybe I'll make it out of Nechoshet. V'hanu'em be'enai b'soda davaze, ki hu b'darchei ha-Torah, she'kol ma'aseha nes b'toch nes. He says, there is some kind of principle that exists in the Torah that's called nes b'toch nes. A miracle in a miracle. What's a miracle in a miracle? In other words, not only is the damage it, it is that the, the, the mazik, the one who does the damage, gets his comeuppance, and the one who was damaged is, is cured. So that's called nes bitoch nes, Tunisim. Tunisim about the same about the same topic. Moshe is view the Yorehu Hashem eats the she the Melech Alisha the Mayim 
And then, this is what is a side point of interest, but it's interest non- interesting nonetheless. He says that if you study medicine, that's medicine. That if, if a snake bites you, and you live through it somehow, but then later on, if you see a snake just slithering around in the, in the grass, that will cause you physical damage. Not because the, the snake doesn't have to bite you. It's just there. If you look at a snake after you've been bitten by a snake, then that look will cause you damage. And then he says, Ad ki he says, he says, all these uh, animals that wander around, the shuchei, they're, they're bitten. Shar behemot ha-shotot. Im yapitu b'mayim, yirei lahem sham bavuat ha-kelev, o ha-mazik v'yamutu. And I'll see the, the figure of a mad dog. Right, a, a rabid dog, or the snake, they will die just from looking, just from looking at at that. She called the shuchei bala eres takuber otam otam, aiki the shuchei akelav etc. Girl and sham talwat akelav azik viamutu. The Moshe katu b'sifrei harufuot. And this is regular accepted medical evidence. And that's what he calls a nes betochanes. Why? So everybody knows that it's good medical practice. That when somebody comes to you and says, I was bitten by a rabid dog, you don't mention that in the rest of the consultation. You don't say dog. You don't say a mad dog. That's, that's a good medical practice. Because somehow, a person who was bitten by a rabid dog, once he gets that dog into his mind, that's like a, it, it will destroy him. I will destroy him. I don't know if this is good or bad psychology, but that's what that's what the Ramban is talking is talking about, and that's why he calls it a nice bitter nice. Utfar his kiru devar menuseh meplaotatolata. He says this. We've mentioned this wondrous thing. Akelav ashoteh achreishen nishtate bechol yo emikubal hashetin shelav klisuchit. If you take this mad dog and you collect its urine and you look in the urine, you'll see that there's a figure of a dog in the urine. But then if you, you put it into a, uh, a, main, a filter, you filter it out somehow, then uh, you're not going to find uh, anything. You won't find anything. So then if you leave it again in a glass dish, you'll see uh, the figure of the, of the klavim, of the dogs. And this is one of the wonders of kochot nefesh of psychology. Sheyekok kolzekach ra'uyaya li Yisrael v'shuchei v'chashim asrafim shelo yiru nachash v'lo yizkiru v'lo yalu aleif klal v'tzirak v'nishboch l'moshe l'asot l'am d'mut saraf hu ha'meimik otah So you see the Ramban the Ramban he's talking about faith that that the punishment that B'nai Yisrael received was a punishment that should return them to the faithful and remove them from being faithless. How so? 
Because everybody knows, everybody knows that if you are bitten by a snake, then what you don't want to do is look at a snake. Because if you look at a snake, it's the double whammy. You're not only going to be harmed by, by the bite, the snake that bit you, but you're going to be psychologically impaired by the fact that you looked at a picture of the snake. That's conventional medicine. That sort of is medicine that is out of the hands of the rebellious level. That even if God is determined to save you, you can't, you're not going to be saved if you look at, if you look at the, a figure of a snake. That's what, that's what the Ramban says. And therefore, in order to restore the faith that Am Yisrael is supposed to have in HaKadosh both, it was not just the punishment, but that it was the cure, because here God was doing something which obviously negated the accepted understanding of things. And that understanding was that if you look at a snake, after you're bitten by a snake, the result is very bad. Result is very bad. And so HaKadosh Bohu told Moshe Rabbeinu, make a saraf. What's a saraf? According to Rashi, a saraf is the, the result of the poison. It burns you up. Right? That's the saraf. According to the Ramban, right, the saraf is what would burn you up conventionally. If you were bitten by a snake and then you go and look at a snake, that's terrible. That's a saraf. That's the end of, that's the end of things. So the Ramban comes up with this interesting theory that faith, based on the idea that faith overwhelms medicine. Right? And this is an issue. This is not the issue that I'm talking about tonight, but everybody knows that there's an issue. Because the Ramban says at the end of Ayikra, the Ramban himself, that if we live the way we're supposed to live, I'm not talking about going to Ed and Teva market. If we lived and uh, did mitzvot and, and, and made all the brachot that we're supposed to make and lived the kind of life the Torah wants us to live, then the Rabban says, without a doubt, we would all be healthy. We'd all be healthy. I wouldn't have to go to doctors. And the reason that we have to go to doctors today, at the time of the Rabban, also the Rabban was a doctor. The reason you have to go to doctors is that since we don't live that way, so we're prone to all kinds of illnesses, and the Torah allowed the doctors to treat the miserable Jews who got sick because they lived in the way that they lived. That's the theory, that's the theory of the Rambam. But that doesn't enhance faith. Faith means that you trust God. And medicine means that you trust the doctors. It certainly doesn't necessarily enhance faith. However, the Ramban said that the Nechash and Nechoshet, from anybody who knew medicine, clearly had his faith enhanced. Because it's like, it's like giving a person who's sick poison and wondering why he gets even sicker. But, but that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, gave us poison, but we got better. And so we understood that the rules of medicine don't work when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is involved. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can decide that this will happen, decide that that will happen. doesn't make any difference. But we don't live in that world. That's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban said. That's the world we might have lived in. We could have lived in. But we don't live in that world. Some of you don't live in that world. So the terrorist says, Rappo, you're You can go to the doctors and the doctors can try, uh, can try to cure you. So this is, the, this is the position. This is the position of the Ramban that we're talking about a nes betoch nes. And the nes betoch nes is that, the, uh, that ordinarily you would expect, ordinarily you would expect looking at a snake to be counter-indicated, but here to prove that it was a salvation that came from God and not from Moshe Rabbeinu, which, if I continue the thought of, of Rashi, breaks apart 
the comparison that they made, this apikoros is between God and Moshe Rabbeinu, that they are the same. Here we know that Moshe Rabbeinu is doing what God told him to do, and that that is, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is curing B'nai Yisrael, and none other. In order to uh, kind of finish with another idea, which I think is, is a good idea, I want to look at this paragraph at the bottom of the second page from the Lukuti HaLochot, this is Rav Nosan. This is Rav Nosan. V'zeo b'chinyad v'ishma k'nani melech harad, Shua Malek, right, the, the, the king of Arad heard that Aaron Akohen had died, Shema Shemet Aaron, Mishtalkuan Anea Kavod, Bali Lachem Yisrael, he figured that without Anea Kavod, we had no protection. And he knew that we, that B'nai Yisrael coming to Eretz Canaan, and if you, you know where Arad is today, you know, it's very close to, like you cross the Jordan River, you're in Arad. That's true. Amalek always fought against the weak, the ones who should not be contained in B'nai Yisrael, and who were kind of spit out by the Anan. The Anan protected those who were worthy of protection, but there were always those who, who couldn't hack it inside, you'll be part of the group. Okay, now I'm at the end of the third line. Tzadik, and these are for Hasidim, these are words pregnant with meaning. Like, when Litvaks say Tzadik, they mean somebody who doesn't talk too much. So when, when the Hasidim say tzaddik, they mean somebody who's running the world. Right? You know, whose tefillot are very important and whose deot are very important. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's a difference. Uh, I mean, no one talked about the Chofetz Chaim in those terms when he was alive. Chofetz Chaim was a very important person, but he wasn't he wasn't seen like he was running the world exactly, you know, by davening. Even though, like, after he died, some people would attribute that to him. But for the Hasidim, the word Sadiq means that. And then he says, Haro'echa amiti. Haro'echa is a shepherd, the true shepherd. That's Moshe Rabbeinu, Bechinat Moshe. So there's a person in the world who is under God, but very determined, determining the course of history of the Jewish people, and that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is a Ro'en Ne'eman. Moshe Rabbeinu is a tzaddik. These are his weapons that he uses to protect B'nai Yisrael. And the rebellion, the justification for having rebellion in our lives, was that they fulfilled this purpose in every generation. Rav Nachman of Gratzlav, his Rebbe, Rav Nachman's Rebbe, was the one who said that not every Rebbe is the same as every other Rebbe. In other words, he demanded that the Hasidim be choosing. By his, by the time, he was the grandson of the daughter of the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov had a daughter. Her name was Udl. She, her grandson was Nachman of Bratzlo. That means it wasn't so far away from the beginning. But by that time, by that time, the Maggid of Mezrich had many Talmidim, and he sent them all over. And then there was, after that, there was no way to control. Everybody wanted his son to be the Rebbe. And there was no way to control the quality. By quality control, not in every case, but there were cases where the quality control was dubious. And so Rav Nachman said, yeah, there are tzaddikim in the world. He was referring to himself, of course. But you have to be very careful. Now, the interesting thing is that in his own lifetime, apparently no one paid attention. No one. I mean, he had a handful of Talmidim. And so he died in the beginning of the, the let's say, towards the, uh, the middle of the 18th century. Right? So it took 200 years 
for the business that's called Bratzlov to develop. And in our times, there are a lot of Bratzlov Hasidim. There's so many of them that they can fight with each other. You, know, I mean, you have to have a, a critical mass in order to go and fight. Otherwise, no one's interested. So they fight with each other all the time. The different groups of Bratzlov Hasidim. But it's interesting that this idea that Rav Nachman was somebody different than everybody else, and that he was, uh, he, had, he was able to think differently than everybody else, and that that was noteworthy. It took 200 years for that to, for that to take hold, for that to take hold and, uh, and uh, become, uh, become a reality, a reality in our times. So this is Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, so this is the war against the Amalek. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was grabbing the Jews back into Ananeika Vod and would not agree to let them be dispersed right outside of the Ananeika Vod. Shehem bechinat suka uchamava bazora kadosh shem parashat veishmat sinaniza liyan suka yein shem and this this is the comparison. Remember, there's a machloket in the Gemara about about the, the suka whether the suka is mamash or the suka is ananekavod. Remember, whether the suka we build on the mitzvah of suka is because the Jews sat in physical Sukkot, or because the Jews sat in Anani HaKavod. Right, so what's Anani HaKavod? That's the protection of B'nai Yisrael. What's Amolek? Amolek is the one who sniped away at the edges, the people who were not able to be contained in the Anani HaKavod. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who pulled them back, pulled them back into Ki Moshe HaGroeh the sixth line, in the middle, Moshe Aroa Miti Chazer Mamshich Ananei Kavod Afilu Lachai Stakut Aron HaKohen. Moshe Aroa kept doing it. It was as far, even though Aron HaKohen was responsible for Ananei HaKavod, even though we say that after Aron HaKohen died, the Ananei HaKavod disappeared. Nevertheless, Moshe Aroa acted as though they were still there. Ki Be'er Anan Uman Kulam so he says that Moshe Rabbeinu then became the kind of, the one who created the Be'er, the well, the Anan, the clouds, and the man, that were all dependent on Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, okay, now we're up to us. You, you, are you with me? First word on the line, on the eighth line. Al came. Already asked the question, what is the Nachash? What's it got to do with life and death? He says, Ella, this man she is hermes, not look up a mala, you meet Rapim, Rabba, you mean but if the Jews look up to heaven, they're cured, and if not, they, they rot away. And this is the word that Rav, uh, Rav Nossin uses, Bechinat Remazim. Remazim? So I'm going to tell you what, a remez is a hint. Right, a hint? So, a hint. Remez. There's Pshat, Remez, Sod, right? Remez means, it's not clear in the Pasuk, but if you like, try. You can see, you could get a hint to something. So Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman had this idea. First of all, you're Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman had this idea that everything is a matter of faith. Faith is what we call emunah. Everything is a matter of faith. Nothing has anything to do with seichel. There's no way that a person can seichel himself into faith. That was what Rav Nachman thought that there's always someone who can come along and ask a question that you don't know the answer to. You, you never get to the point with Seichel 
that you're totally covered, that everything is everything is in place. And so he said, Rav Nachman Rav Nachman Rav Nachman said that the way that you get yourself through the difficult times, through the Chalala Padnui, through that great vast emptiness in which God does not make himself apparent, until you don't know where God is. That's the Chalala Padnui, the great empty space. So Rav Nachman Abraham says, means faith will get you through. It was it's true that you can get stuck in a question. It's true that a person can become obsessed with something that is not some knot that is not tied, some piece of the Lego which is not in place. There are people like that. He says, but when it comes to God, there's no way to get all the pieces in the right place. There's no way that we can cure ourselves of a certain kinds of skepticism when we hear, when we hear a question from a clever questioner. And he said, faith, and that's why the Rabbanathan didn't like the Moen Nebuchim, and didn't like the Rambam, because the Rambam gave the impression that it was possible to have a theology. That everything should fit in. That it should all make sense. And that God would be God. And the Rambam said that's not the way it works. The way it works is that we are all dependent on faith. Faith means because we believe strongly, we can ignore the question. If we understand that there are people who are smarter than we are, there are people who ask good questions that we can't answer. But once you are truly a faith person, it doesn't make that much difference because you're confident that there's an answer. Okay, so you don't know the answer. I mean, asma, what difference does it make? If you know, like, if somebody has, has a conversation with God and then you go to some philosophy school, at the philosophy school, they prove that there cannot be such a thing as God would that affect you. I mean, your own experience, of course, takes precedence, right? That's, that's the phenomenology of faith. You can't, you can't argue with a person who, like if somebody goes up to heaven, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven, learned the Torah, and came down. So you can say to Moshe Rabbeinu, there's no God? And would that have any effect on Moshe Rabbeinu? Certainly not. So that, what if you give a reasoned argument? Oh, it's also one that maybe that's the story of Korah to a certain extent. Now, what did Rav Nossin say? Rav Nossin says that static definition of things, you're either a man of faith, woman of faith, or not, right? You're either this or that, does not really address the reality. He says, what's the reality? Rabbi Nossin says. The reality is that people of faith sometimes waver in their faith. And so if you're like the person who had faith and you dive in three times a day, and you go to some fancy restaurant, you go for, and you eat a steak that's an inch and a half thick, right? Uh, medium to well. Uh, like a Jew. You know? It's a little destructive to the snake, but the Jews don't like to eat blood. So they, they always tell them medium to well, right? Hoping that the gal is keeping more in medium than in well. So when you eat the steak, when you eat the steak, you might at that moment not be exactly a man of faith. It is, what do you mean you're a man of faith? It means like when you have to get up in the morning to go to shul, so you get up and go to shul. I mean, I'm taking examples from men because they're closer to my heart. But, but that's, what, that's what faith is. You do things. But what about in between? What about in between doing things? What about eating breakfast? What about going on a trip? What about, uh, what about whatever you do in your life? You're not always the same. So you become a discontinuous faith function, sometimes more and sometimes less. And so Rav says, 
Rabbi says, you always need Rimazim. You need things to remind you of what you really are, especially in tense situations. So when B'nai Yisrael went to fight against Amalek, that was a tense moment. So of course Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, listen, if you have faith, you're going to win. If you don't have faith, they're going to win. But the people, like when you're involved in sticking swords into Amalekites, and stepping over the dead bodies, or riding on a horse, or whatever, so your, your ability to focus on the faith in you is diminished. And so what, what did the Israel need? They needed a remiss. They need something that would keep reminding them in the difficult times of who they really were. It wasn't that they were looking at the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu and saying, oh, that's the cure. But they knew what the cure was. And the cure was the faith that they were instructed to have by Moshe Rabbeinu. The same thing is true, the same thing is true about the snakes on the, on the copper flag that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu made. Here, the Rav Nassim doesn't say it. But I think if you add in the, uh, if you add in the, uh, the words of the Rabbanan, that everybody knew that if you look at a snake, after, after you're bitten by a snake, that's a kind of a double whammy. You're not just sick, you're going to be very sick. Right? That's what, so the people looked up at the snake and they said, no, the faith is strong and it's working and, it, and the cure is going to come. So they understood. And that's called, that the, the uh, Rav Nossin says, Rav Nossin says it's called, it's called a remiss. That's called a remiss, something that induces you to be the way you are. How are you? You're, you're a person of faith. But right now you're busy. Right? You're doing something else. You're thinking about something else. You're, you're uh, 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 solving a problem. You're, you're coming with a, you know, your ambulance to pick up a person who uh, was in an accident. So you're focused on that. That's who you are at that moment. You need the remiss to bring out the other you. And the other you is the person who is filled with faith and, and looks towards God for salvation. So I think that these various ideas might be um, usable. You might be able to put them together in order to understand a little bit more about the Nechash and the Choshet. Remember Rashi said that there was this matter of Apikorset that they equated God and Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And uh, Rav Nossin is the one who puts Moshe Rabbeinu in the proper perspective. And the proper perspective is that, uh, um, that Moshe Rabbeinu had this capacity to produce rimazim, to produce hints about uh, where the faith of Am Yisrael is actually located. Have a good chance. I imagine that some people went to hear. Uh, let me just.